Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome back to Day to Day on the Hammer Betting Network, where we bring you up to speed with all the NFL injury news you need to know. Rob Pozzola is with me here, and I'm your host, Alex Moretto, filling in for Chris Abbott and Cleb TA this week. So, Rob, this is the Carson Palmer episode of Day to Day, episode three, a little uh, homage to Circles Off right there. That's a throwback. Um, yeah, Car- Carson Palmer, one of uh, one of my favorite quarterbacks ever as well, which is very weird, but I, proximity from Toronto to Cincinnati is not far, so I would actually make it to a lot of Bengals games, and I was a huge fan of the uh, Carson Palmer to Chad Johnson at the time connection uh, before he changed his name to Ocho Cinco and TJ who's your mama that was a uh, that was a that was a big team. one yep. yeah <laughs> I yeah I always get such FOMO when you and Johnny do that in circles off I find myself like shouting player names into the car speaker so you know that felt really good to get that in there um all right well let's jump into the injury news because injuries are already piling up across the NFL uh, we saw the impact they had in a number of week two games, right? The Colts get shut out in Jacksonville without their top two receivers. Pittsburgh cannot touch Mac Jones in their loss against New England without TJ Watt. Baltimore still getting nothing from the running back position with J.K. Dobbins out. And uh, on the other side of things, I mean, the Cardinals got some players back in the lineup after a disastrous week one. And we saw the boost it gave them against the Raiders. So we have a lot of injuries to kind of comb through here in week three. Um, I wanted to start it off with, the Buffalo Bills, everyone's Super Bowl pick right now. They were dominant again last night, uh, beating the Titans. And now this week, they are in Miami facing the Dolphins for a battle of two undefeated AFC East teams. And they're dealing with a number of injuries. They are. This is very sneaky. So a lot of people will obviously be fixated on Gabe Davis at wide receiver for the Bills, uh, probably for fantasy reasons. And Obviously, Gabe Davis is a great receiver. I don't want to take anything away from him. But what went unnoticed, especially in the second half of the game against the Titans, was the amount of defensive injuries that they suffered. And this is going to be something to monitor over the course of the week because obviously they were already without Trey White, who's on the pup list, uh, would be their number one cornerback. They lost Dane Jackson, who would be uh, their starting cornerback filling in for Trey White. And, you know, Dane Jackson, luckily today we get reports that he's left the hospital. He's going to be okay, but he's not playing next week so they're down two corners essentially uh they were they were without ed oliver on the defensive line they lost jordan phillips mid-game they lost tim settle mid-game both of those guys are depth defensive linemen but now potentially unless oliver can make it back could be down three or four defensive linemen matt milano left the game in the second half yesterday micah hyde their free safety left the game so we're talking about seven to eight injuries on defense right now that we are going to have to monitor for the bills And this is a Dolphins offense that showed last week against the Ravens, uh, especially late in that game, obviously with the comeback, that they can score and they can move the ball through the air. So 
I would anticipate if we start to see some Bills defensive players ruled out that we will see some money on the Dolphins. I think people will find Miami uh, plus six as an attractive price um, considering, you know, thinking that they can move the ball. We've already seen this total been bet up. Uh, it's been moved, moved up a couple points today, uh, 53 and a half to, you know, or 54, depending on what sports book you're looking at now. So definitely an impact in market on the total in this game already. If we start to see some bills, defenders get ruled out. Uh, I think that we will probably see the total go up even further, but we'll additionally see some money in on the dolphins. Yeah. And I mean, you mentioned the Dolphins showing that they could score. Like they also showed how much speed they have on offense. Like, I don't know whether that was down to Baltimore secondary. That's still a little bit banged up. Like, I mean, Marcus Peters, was that actually Marcus Peters or was that the corpse of Marcus Peters who hasn't played in, you know, a year, but like Miami looks fast on offense and all those injury issues could, yeah, really be a real problem for the bills this week. Agreed. I I mean, Miami's built a speed team and you, you know, Buffalo has survived Buffalo to me, the strength of their defense has actually been the game planning by Leslie Frazier. I think they've done a great job against Tennessee. A- after the Titans went down the field on that scripted drive, the Bills defense shut them down. Uh, you go back to week one, the Rams couldn't get anything going. The, the Bills were just dropping into coverage and making Stafford try to beat them, and-, and he couldn't do it. So I still think that the Bills might be able to put together a decent enough game plan with Leslie Frazier, but you can't, you can't lose four, five, six starters on defense and not expect some sort of downgrade. Yeah, and I mean, this is also probably, like with all due respect to the Rams, probably the best offense the Bills are going to face so far. Like Tennessee is very one-dimensional. The Rams were also pretty one-dimensional with their O-line being just so bad and struggling to, you know, uh, run block whatsoever. They They couldn't get anything going in the run game there. And, you know, Miami has been a lot better on the ground. We saw them, you know, Chase Edmonds, Raheem Mostert are providing some good yardage there and even like some, you know, receptors out of the backfield. So this is, yeah, this is definitely the biggest test as injuries are piling up even more so than they were in the first two weeks. Yeah. I think with Miami pretty healthy team right now as well, Cedric Wilson, their third wide out, um, you know, he could potentially miss another game here for them. Teron Armstead, their left tackle. There was concerns about him going last week. He looked just fine in the game against Baltimore as well. Uh, they lost Austin Jackson to the IR um, a couple weeks ago. Greg Little starting there is, is barely a downgrade if at all. So you do get the full complement of Miami weapons on offense as well. Yes, agreed. So, okay, we have a lot to get to here, so we can move on from that one. Um, I wanted to get into the Thursday night game because it was already one we had circled to talk about with Kevin Stefanski ruling out Jadavion Clowney and Chase Winovich already for Thursday night's game against the Steelers. And now we see Miles Garrett popping up on the injury report. And there's more beyond that too, but they're all, all of a sudden dealing with a cluster injury, a cluster of injuries on the offensive line and uh, on the defensive line, and they are taking on a Steelers team that is really weak on the offensive line. Is this, you know, is Pittsburgh one of the few teams in the NFL you think the Browns can afford these injuries against, or are you downgrading them for this divisional clash? Because I see the line is already starting to drop. Like it was pretty much five and five and a half across the board this morning, and I'm already seeing some four and a halfs pop. And I mean, who knows, depending on Miles Garrett's status, this could drop even further. Yeah. And listen, I think a lot of people identified the Browns as a team that they might've wanted to play on this week, just because there was a, a bit of a misleading result. Um, they were comfortably ahead of the Jets. Nick Chubb comes out today and says that he actually should have kneeled and the game would have been over, which is absolutely true. And they would have won the game by double digits. Um, so really the final score last week, not indicative of how the Browns played. And I think the Steelers are a full fade right now just because their offense is stuck in the mud. But you cannot you know, completely dismiss these Browns injuries, even though you know the Steelers don't have a great offensive line. 
if you start to take Miles Garrett, Jadavian Clowney, um, Chase Winovich now on IR, as you mentioned as well, out of the equation, you're losing a lot of depth there overall. And you give the Steelers an opportunity for their O-line to hold up. So I would agree. Um, it, it is a short week. It seems like we're not going to get clarity on Miles Garrett, maybe even up until game time this week, which you know, is unfortunate for betters because you're going to have to kind of rush to bet it one way or another. But uh, that's certainly concerning. The offensive line is already an issue for Cleveland Um, going into the year, you know, other than center, I think that they have one of the best offensive lines in the entire league, but they've been without Jack Conklin at right tackle. Chris Hubbard, his backup has been out Um, remains to be seen if either of those can play this week. Now their left guard, Betonio is questionable for this week as well. I don't know how they're going to reshuffle this O-line. I guess this is where we're really missing Clev TA this week, being a Browns <laughs> fan and all. Uh, I assume James Hudson will be one of the starters there um, if Betonio can't go. But it, it's just one of those where, you know, you create a cluster injury situation on both lines of scrimmage for the Browns. And I, I think it's definitely an equalizer um, for this game. So while I don't like the Steelers going forwards, these are certainly impactful injuries for Cleveland. And I do think that it's, it's very likely we'll see the market move back towards Pittsburgh even more than we have so far. Yeah. So I think if you're, if you're looking to bet the Browns, you're obviously waiting right now to see what's going on with miles Garrett. And also the fact that you're probably going to be getting a better number as this week goes on, as we get closer to game time. Um, But I mean, are you confident in Mitch Trubisky being able to take advantage, even if he does get time in the pocket, it's not necessarily something where you're, you're, terribly concerned with um I mean obviously you know it might help Najee Harris but he also just doesn't seem to have that burst right now it's such a weird game in that you know you get a cluster of injuries like this in the defensive line but like I'm not sure that it really matters from Pitts for Pittsburgh's offense it may not but you also have to consider the fact that I think we're on Kenny Pickett watch sometime soon here right like if the Steelers get out behind in this game Trubisky looks bad I wouldn't be surprised to see a switch at quarterback because how much longer can Pittsburgh go on? Uh, This is a divisional game. It's quite important to them. Uh, It's a winnable one with all the Cleveland Browns injuries. So I would be uber concerned about betting the Browns going forwards and then somehow getting Kenny Kenny Pickett mid-game rather than Mitch Trubisky. But yeah, right now the Steelers offense has nothing. They're trying these moving pockets with him, trying to get him rolling out. They have the full complement of weapons like Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, George Pickens, Fryermuth, decent tight end. They should be able to manufacture a lot more than they are, even behind a bad offensive line. But Mitch just doesn't have it there. Yeah, and you think it would make sense if Cleveland's down to their fourth and fifth options coming off the edge that maybe it's not such a bad environment to put Pickett into for his first taste of uh, you know NFL snaps. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll have to see how that plays out. Another team I'm kind of concerned about right now is the Broncos. Um, Nathaniel Hackett seems to be in way over his head. The offense is just completely out of sync. I couldn't believe that game against Houston. You have the fans, you know, chanting down the, uh, the play clock because they couldn't get anything right. They, they actually took three points off the board because they were too late getting a snap off and ended up having to punt one of just many mistakes there. And now to, you know, make matters even worse, they're dealing with some pretty prominent injuries ahead of a primetime game against the 49ers, who also suffered a pretty big injury this week in Trey Lance. We've seen the market now, I think, somewhat correct to this. Now, you know, there's there's a lot of moving pieces here for Denver that could influence this one way or another. But Broncos did open up as short favorites. 49ers are, are pretty much favorites across the board right now. 
uh, minus one and a half, I think at, at the majority of sports books, remember, you know, I don't put a whole lot of stock into the look ahead numbers on these games or anything like that, but the look ahead or the advanced line was Denver minus three. So we've seen an adjustment for Jimmy Garoppolo being back for the 49ers, which I think is huge. There is the potential that George Kittle could play in this game as well, which we don't know yet, but it's, it's so much that's going wrong with the Broncos. That's affecting this line. The wide receiver core was something you would have really considered a strength in the off season. Then Tim Patrick goes on IR, KJ Hamler out, Jerry Judy hurts his shoulder last week. Still no clarity on that situation. I think Judy's probably more likely to miss this game than he is to play it. So you really kill your wide receiver depth there with uh, probably San Fran being able to single in on Cortland Sutton if Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler can't play. You also have injuries on the offensive line that have quietly gone unnoticed. The Broncos without their right guard and right tackle. The right tackle, Billy Turner, might play this week. Don't know there. That would be a help as well. Although we have seen Russell Wilson perform pretty admirably behind bad O-lines for his entire career. Uh, The one that I'm really keeping my eye on as well here is Patrick Sertan, the Broncos starting cornerback. You know, that would be a big loss for them. They do have Kwan Williams as a, as a nickel corner there. That would probably slot into a starting cornerback role. But ultimately, this could really go in any direction for Denver. And we have so many players listed with questionable tags that it's very hard to make a true assessment of the game right now. Uh, ultimately, I think the line has swung to a pretty you know fair spot where it is right now. I do think that Jimmy G is is a big upgrade over Trey Lance. His ceiling might not be as high, but he's probably going to give you more on a week-to-week basis. Um, So I'm not sure where this is going to end up going, and I can't provide any additional clarity just yet, other than you're really going to have to monitor the Broncos injury report this week. Uh, And I do think that this line is is not going to settle here. I think either San Fran is going to close a bigger favorite, or if Denver's getting a bunch of players back, they end up closing as a favorite in this spot. I, I don't think it's it's settling here at one and a half. Yeah, I mean, if we see Judy ruled out, if we see Hamler ruled out, if we see Sertain ruled out, are you do you anticipate this line could get to three? And if it doesn't get to three, are you looking at a situation like, you know, the Colts last week and thinking that San Fran offers good value below a field goal if all those guys can't go? So that that will be challenging. I do like if we do see a lot of these Broncos ruled out, I do think that this number will get to three. And then I do think you'll see some late buyback on Denver uh, from some of the bigger, sharper groups, which is just kind of a numbers grab, hoping that, you know, it's a, it's a primetime home game for the Broncos, very tough stadium to play in. Uh, maybe, maybe the, like Denver has just played to the bottom of their range for the first couple of games. And as they get more acclimated, as Russell Wilson gets more acclimated to this offense, he'll perform a little bit better down the stretch. I think ultimately it's one of those where you, you, you know, I hate to say it, but you just got to be around to react very quickly to what happens um, when these Denver Broncos injury reports come out. And then kind of, if you miss the boat, just stick on the sidelines for this one. Yeah. And I mean, the Broncos defense has actually played really well for how much their offense has struggled. Their defense has been able to keep them in games. They haven't allowed a touchdown since the first half of that Monday night game against Seattle. Obviously, Losing certain would be big, but the defense, you know, maybe it wasn't as big of an issue against a Houston team that can't so much beat you through the air. Um, 
But I mean, the defense still performed pretty well there. And I think that, you know, if you're getting a field goal at home with the Broncos, you'd like to think their defense against Jimmy Garoppolo can potentially still keep them in this game and give them a chance to win it late. The only question is obviously the quality of competition because it's Mm -hmm. been Seattle and Houston. And I think anyone going into the year would say that those are bottom eight offenses, if not bottom five, if not potentially bottom three. So you do have to factor in quality of competition. Uh, Obviously, Randy Gregory is making an impact there. Having a a healthy Bradley Chubb is big for them as well. But it's it's definitely a huge step up in class facing the 49ers offense. Yes. Um, Okay, I wanted to move on here to the Los Angeles Chargers because they always seem to be at the forefront of injury news. I don't know what that franchise did in a previous life, but they are cursed in this area. And we all know about Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen, but that's not all Brendan Staley is dealing with right now. Uh, ahead of a really tricky game against the Jaguars this week where we saw the line around a touchdown. And I believe that it has dipped below that pretty much. Well, we're, there's still some, a lot of sevens hanging out there. We are seeing some 6.5s pop up now though, too. We've also seen some of the market making books, not even open this game yet. Um, I guess they just don't want to get dinged by any big bets or anything like that. Now, obviously Justin Herbert is the main concern here. Uh, we don't know if they're going to try to rest him for a week and have him recover or not. Uh, we do have the Keenan Allen injury situation, soft tissue injury. I'm not sure. Like I would guess more doubtful than probable. I'm not a doctor. We don't really have information on it yet, but I think that's likely the situation. What really flies under the radar though, is that they lost their center Corey Lindsley last week um in that matchup on Thursday night football the right tackle Trey Pipkins left the game as well the backup right tackle there is Storm Norton who anyone who's watched the Chargers and seen any of Storm Norton the guy is basically a walking turnstile so that's not going to work out favorably for them now those injuries probably you know they're, they're going to come nowhere near the impact of if Justin Herbert is out right like if Justin Herbert is out Chase Daniels the starter I'm going to assume that this flies down to a pick um, in some capacity, that would be my guess as to where we go with this. Honestly, the chargers would be appealing to me at that number, uh, chase Daniel, uh, despite really, you know, not having to play much every year, I think is a fine backup quarterback. Um, I, I do think that, you know, overall the chargers defense is a little bit underrated. They played a very good game against the chiefs last week, just, you know, for some reason or another, just fell apart on them in, in like a typical chargers fashion. The home field advantage that typically works against LA is not something that Jacksonville brings to the table here. Like they don't have a ton of traveling fans. It's probably the largest home field advantage the Chargers will have all year. So obviously we're keeping an eye out on the Herbert situation. My guess would be if he's out, game reopens as a pick maybe the Chargers look a bit more appealing there. But without Corey Lindsley on the O-line, without Trey Pipkins on the O-line, Without their number one receiver, Keenan Allen, that would be a very difficult bet to uh, to swallow. Yeah, and what was looking like a really potentially fun game just based on how Jacksonville's played in the first two weeks as well, obviously would be a lot less attractive with those guys out. Uh, moving on to another one here, a big one this week with Tampa and Green Bay. Um, Tampa is dealing with basically as much of a cluster you know situation as you could possibly have both on the offensive line and the receiving core for what could be you know a game that decides potentially top seed in a a relatively weak nfc this year uh how are you approaching tampa situation this week with the injuries and not just the injuries but also mike evans being suspended on top of it all for sure so we've already seen green bay take some money the early numbers on this game uh being green bay 
getting three points. That's pretty much universally down to two points right now. Green Bay has a situation on their hand, you know, on uh, on their end where we don't know when David Bakhtiari is coming back for them. That would be a nice boost to them, provided that he's anywhere near his old form. We don't know that that's a given necessarily. We do see players come back from injury and they're just a shell of their former selves. That's one thing to look out for. And I, I think you would see the market come in a little bit further on Green Bay if uh, Bakhtiari were be, to be able to play. But you nailed it, Alex. I mean, it's tough. Slide. The Bucks' offense is, has not looked good in two weeks. Um, Dallas in, in week one, they did move the ball up and down the field, but they did bog down in Dallas territory quite a bit. And eventually the Dallas pass rush got home on them quite a bit. The Saints last week, I mean, a lot of self-inflicted wounds by New Orleans, um, maybe a beneficial pen- penalty that went Tampa Bay's way as well. So we have not seen this prolific Bucks offense that would carve teams up in years past. And now, like you said, Mike Evans suspended. Chris Godwin, uh, I don't know. Julio Jones, I don't know. Like, I think these guys are probably truly questionable this week. But if all three were to be ruled out, you end up having Russell Gage as a number one receiver, Brashad Perriman, Scotty Miller. <laughs> it's it's not horrible, I will say. Like, the Bucks are really deep at receiver where, you know, Gage, Perryman, Miller, huge downgrade, obviously, from Evans, Godwin, and, and Jones. But it's not terrible. It's the concerns on the O-line that really get me because, you know, Donovan Smith, that's a huge absence for them, especially because the backup left tackle, Josh Wells, is also hurt. This is an O-line people were questioning going into the year. Uh, Green Bay's defense, I think, is a lot better than people give them uh, credit for. And then on the other side of the ball, big addition for the Bucks in the offseason, Akeem Hicks on the defensive line gets hurt last week as well. So I, I think there's a lot of... Um, you know, I, th- I think someone's already speculated um, in terms of the Tampa Bay injuries, been willing to get ahead on Green Bay here. I think there's more room for this to go if the Bucks do get a lot of players ruled out with injury. With, with that said, I do think there's going to be two-sided action on this game because you're going to just get a lot of people who are going to look at the board and say, I can get Tom Brady playing one point or, you know, one and a half or two, whatever. I don't care who the complement of weapons is here. Uh, I'll take that bet any day. So I expect two two sided action on this game. Um, with that said, I mean it, it it is very challenging to back the Bucks uh, until there's a little bit more clarity on this injury report. Yeah, and you know on the other side of the ball, you have a Packers team that was banged up coming into the year, but is now almost completely healthy going into this game. Exactly, and, and you know what, like Green Bay. Um, they, they come off a, a destruction of the Bears. They looked very good in that game. You know, we're, we're two weeks removed from them looking very, very poor against the Vikings. I don't really know where I, I think Green Bay is right now, but we have seen them play one quality opponent this year and they got dismantled on, you know, in that game uh, on the road. So um, really, really tough to, to determine where Green Bay is right now. But ultimately, um, the Bucks are, are one of the teams this week where I'm paying very close attention to the injury report. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's one more game I wanted to talk to you about, but before we do, I just wanted to ask if there are any other injuries you're keeping an eye out this week, perhaps ones that may be flying a bit more under the radar or, you know, something worth noting as the week goes on. Yeah, I, I think it's already been announced that he's he's been put on IR, but Chase Rulier, the center for the Washington Commanders, to me, that is a a pretty big injury. He's been very consistent for them at the center position. Uh, obviously, Carson Wentz is a guy that holds the ball for a long time. 
Obviously, the Eagles defensive line is very good. Now, we've seen the market adjust quite a bit on the Eagles after their Monday night performance. In fact, I think just based off market implied power ratings right now, the market is ranking the Eagles as the second best team in the league ahead of the Chiefs, just based off the point spread this week against Washington. But I do think that that's a very big injury for Washington. Uh, They kind of got pushed around at the lines of scrimmage last week against Detroit. That does not bode well for them going forwards against an Eagles team that pushed Detroit around at the line of scrimmage uh, the previous week. Uh, Taylor Lewan's injury for the Titans, huge concern. Uh, Dennis Daly, uh, I tweeted this yesterday, but that guy has been horrible in pass protection at left tackle. Uh, Played something like 150 snaps at left tackle last year with one of the worst Uh, pass blocking grades courtesy of pro football focus in the entire league. So uh, I'm mainly looking at offensive line injuries. Those are the ones that, that kind of stand out to me on a weekly basis that I I think sometimes go unnoticed, especially if that team is going up against a defense that can get some pressure. Yeah. And I mean, the Eagles have been fantastic on, on the defensive line, as you mentioned, and the, I mean, they absolutely dominated. I albeit against a below average Vikings offensive line, but they absolutely dominated them last night. Uh, uh, Jonathan Gannon called a great game as well. I thought Minnesota had no answers for those blitz packages. It honestly looked like Kirk Cousins had just given up. Like, I mean, the Irv Smith drop and everything, but it looked like just all the bodies in his face all night. It looked like he just got to a point where he, he completely gave up. So, you know, you talk about a Washington team that's already been pushed around on the offensive line and now they're dealing with that injury. And now they're going up against arguably the best defensive line or one of the best defensive lines in the league. I mean, you have a turnover, prone quarterback in Carson Wentz like you know a lot of me wants to take that plus seven with Washington but it also terrifies me yeah I'm sort of in the same boat as you right like the Eagles played a great game Uh, the Eagles are a very good football team anytime you have a quarterback on a rookie deal and you have a a roster that can be stacked like the Eagles have done it's that's going to be a difficult team to beat there's no real significant weaknesses there you just wonder you know, how much of, of that Monday night game was near perfect, right? The, the Vikings in the second half could not beat man coverage. The Eagles were blitzing Cousins heavily. He was forcing the ball into one-on-one situations where, you know, Darius Slay had someone completely blanketed. Uh, James Bradbury was very noticeable. Um, you know, Irv Smith couldn't really get any separation in the second half for the Vikings either, and he was targeted a bunch of times. So I, I think the Eagles played a, a very good game. I think they're a very good football team. Um, seven points tough, but now you add in, you know, the chase really a situation and, and it just makes the commanders look so much less appealing. Um, okay. Before we close this off here, I just wanted to get your thoughts as a Cowboys fan on this Monday night football game. The Cowboys are coming off a pretty impressive win against the Bengals. I don't think too many people saw that coming. And now they're traveling to take on the undefeated giants on prime time. Uh, we don't really have any new injuries to dis- discuss here, but there could be some players returning to the lineup for both teams. So what sort of impact do you think that could have on this line, which I think is still currently sitting at minus two and a half pretty much across the board? Yeah, it's two and a half right now. So the Giants have been without uh, a couple of decent pass rushers. Well, we don't know what Kayvon Thibodeau is going to be yet. He hasn't started a game, but the expectation is he will slot in and have an impact. Aziz Ojolari as well, who starts a defensive end for them, has been missing the last couple of games. There is a pretty big optimism uh, within the Giants franchise right now that both of those guys are going to be playing this week, which should bolster their defense. It comes just in time because Leonard Williams got hurt last week. 
uh, seems extremely likely that he's going to miss this week's game. They're very happy with what they saw in the MRI in terms of no long-term damage for him, but he could be out one or two weeks. So that kind of offsets the loss of Leonard Williams for them. Uh, we don't know if Aaron Robinson will be back. He did have his appendix out last week, early in the week. There's a possibility he would play. That would be very big for them, considering he's one of their starting corners alongside uh, Adoree Jackson. So the Giants defense, it, it can go really one way or another, essentially. Um, like I said, I, I, I think if Thibodeau um, and Ojolari end up playing this week, it, it kind of offsets the loss of Leonard Williams. Um, and the Giants defense has performed well overall. Now, the Dallas offense, on the other hand, we have a situation where it seems like Michael Gallup is on track to play this week, which is nice because they've struggled with wide receiver depth. James Washington went on IR in the preseason, uh, but they potentially lose Dalton Schultz now, uh, which is a big deal for me. I mean, Dallas will probably line up in a lot of three wide receiver sets with CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, Noah Brown, uh, but Jake, Ver- Jake Ferguson is the backup tight end there. Rookie, um, don't really know what you're going to get out of him. I think Dalton Schultz had roughly a 20% target rate last week as well. So it's kind of like the return of Michael Gallup is offset by the loss of Dalton Schultz. Um, really difficult to react to this game because, you know, I, I personally think that both of these teams are are just overrated in market. I kind of wish that they weren't playing each other this week so we can fade each of them. Um, but you know, it's one of those where I'm kind of monitoring both situations going forward, see who's going to be in, who's going to be out uh, and see if that could push me in the direction of Dallas. If Dalton Schultz does end up playing, um, you know, it would be hard for me not to consider the Cowboys or maybe potentially look at a Cowboys team total over uh, as I don't think that the Giants defense has been tested all that much just yet. I believe Michael Gallup will be on a snap count though, correct? Yes, it's very likely that he will be. Um, Jalen Tolbert, another player that they were high on, will be playing this week as well. They still have Dennis Houston, Simi Fajoko. It's not, it's not super deep, uh, but yeah, in Gallup's return, they're not going to have him go 100% of the snaps. Well, the good news for them is Cooper Rush doesn't lose football games. So uh, we might be 2-0. looking at yeah. <laughs> this is uh, This is his league. We're all just watching it. You know, good for him. Um, all right. Well, that does it for the week three edition of day to day. We've got a lot of other great content coming out this week on the hammer betting network. So you're going to want to check out episode three of annex squared with brothers, John and Jason Anik, uh twins, I should say. That's going to be live tonight, um, Tuesday night on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you like to consume your media, as well as on the hammer.bet and on the hammer HQ on Twitter. Uh, tomorrow, you can check out Between the Lines with Matt Landis and Fabian Somer, which is a really great segment. Uh, Suma dives into week three's lines, how they've moved and where they're going. A lot of great content to come this week. I won't even try to get to all of it. So again, you can check it out at the hammer.bet and the hammer HQ on Twitter. Rob, thanks a lot, man. Thanks, Alex.